If you're an accredited investor looking for an incredible opportunity to invest your money, I have exactly what you're looking for. I have put together a fund where we are loaning money to fix and flip investors for their investment properties. And I'm looking for investors right now. We provide steady income for our investors. We are focused on capital preservation. We have minimum target of returns that we plan on giving back to our investors. And this opportunity is incredible. Like I said, this fund is lending to the best of the best. And we're looking for people to come aboard and be investors and go along for the ride as this thing grows. I'm super excited about it. Right now, we're only talking to accredited investors. So if that's you and you want more information, reach out to me at mike at juststartrealestate.com and I will get you all the information. Guys, this fund is amazing and we are so different from everybody else. And one of the biggest differences, we don't just lend money to anybody. Anybody who comes along with an application doesn't get money from us. You have to have a track record. We have to know that your business is strong and healthy. And that's who we lend to because our commitment to our investors is that we will protect their money and we will give them consistent, reliable returns. Guys, if you're interested in this and you want to come along on that journey with me and my company, reach out to me now, mike at juststartrealestate.com. I cannot wait to talk to you. We wanted them to be in a park. We wanted it to be in a three-bedroom. It's just easier to resell. I mean, in today's market, you can sell a two-bedroom. You can basically sell anything, right? Because everything is in short supply. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. Hey, thank you for being here on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate that. I've got a great guest for you today. Her name is Amanda Cruz, and she is an expert at buying mobile home parks. Uh, And she explains it all to us. Uh, one mobile home park just increased her net worth by over 400K in just 18 months. She spent years climbing the corporate ladder like a lot of us and just got motivated to do something in her life to change what was happening and to build a better life for her and her family. And she started invest, uh, investing in real estate in 2018, just a few years ago, and bought a duplex, then bought a single family home, and then bought a single mobile home and did some of that for a while and then ended up buying mobile home parks. And today, Amanda and her husband purchase and add value to mobile home parks. And uh, she's just great at it. She's great at simplifying the process and simplifying the components needed. And she just did a great job explaining how to get started in that world. And I just really appreciated it. So uh, I give you guys Amanda Cruz. All right, Amanda, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate you being here and I appreciate your time. Well, Mike, yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to talk to you today. Absolutely. I might not have ever heard of you if it were not for our mutual friend, uh, Tanya, who is awesome. She's a good, good friend of mine. But like I told you initially, and I know Tanya will listen to this. This is why I'm saying it. I told you the minute we started talking and I got to hear you a little bit, you seem way too nice to be friends with Tanya. How do you do it? She is <laughs> absolutely... Um, uh, out there, man. She gives me such a hard time and she is uh, fun. She's so fun, but you seem so, so nice. Fun. I feel bad for you. Does she make fun of you like she makes fun of me? Everybody, right? She just tells it how it is, which is why we all like her so much. <laughs> I know. It's so true. There are times though when I hope it is not how it is what she's saying to me because it's super critical, but it probably is. You're probably right. <laughs> Um, all right. So let's dive in. I, I want to hear a little bit more, uh, uh, certainly about your business, but let's talk just for a, a minute or two. We don't have to go too far, but tell me a little bit of your background. What did you do before real estate and how did you even decide that real estate was the thing for you? Uh, so I had a pretty traditional upbringing as far as jobs and work and money. My mom retired from a public school system. So after college, I did what I knew and I went and got a job. I was a data analyst by trade. I eventually started working my way up at a large credit card company, just sort of climbing the corporate ladder. And around the time I turned 30, I just thought there has to be something more. I'm a hard worker. I like working hard. I like digging in and analyzing stuff. The harder I work, the richer some CEO that I've never even met becomes. Yeah. And so how can I sort of take control of my own life and my own time? And that's when I started looking for other things. And I kind of always had real estate on the back 
burner of just, hey, it would be cool to own a rental property one day. And so I started learning a ton more about it and just jumped into, you know, we bought a duplex and and we bought another single family house and sort of did even traditionally with real estate investing. And yeah. then we just wanted to do something a little different there. So we got into mobile homes. All right, and hold we on, did hold flips on. And that stuff is on such homes. that is such a leap for me. Okay, I'm following <laughs> yeah. you. Most people who are un uh, that's not fair. Some people who are new to real estate, their first entrance into real estate or their first inclination is that they want to get some sort of rental income. I, I think that's sort of like the most traditional. Like that's what most people know, right? Intuitively, almost. I get that. Yep. And then you bought a single family home and I, I'm assuming you flipped it. Is that what you did or did you hold it? Well, we got a duplex and we fixed it up and then we held it. Yep. And then we did a burr, right? Okay. That's oh, okay. Okay. sexy. Everybody loves to do a yeah. burr. So yep. we did that. So you we did were a burr. okay at it. <laughs> okay. So let's stop there. I, I believe you're okay at it. Okay. So you did a, a oh, duplex. Very okay. You at did a, all right. I think you were probably phenomenal. Probably the best burr that's ever happened. <laughs> but you did a burr. And I get that. Okay. That's that's sort of like now you're sort of like fast forwarding to like, you know, 2000, you know, 18, 19 kind of yeah. like the hot buzz thing to do. Right. Which which is not a negative. It, it is very smart way to go about it. So you did that. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. You're in the single family world. You have a duplex. How I, I just I, and and I I I know a lot of your story and I've talked to people who do what you do now. And so I do in in um intellectually, I get what you're doing and I get why, but I still wonder what takes someone from a burr in a single family home to a mobile home park. That's a huge jump. In my opinion, it, it's all it's all real estate and it's only a huge jump because I think that's pretty far outside of the traditional beaten path. If you go to Bigger Pockets and you say, hey, everyone, I want to be an investor, 95% of the people will tell you some sort of Flipping, wholesaling, or buy and hold. Those will be the three pillars that people will constantly tell you how to do it and why you should do it. A very, very, very small percentage of people will suggest mobile home investing. And so how did you go for what? Did you read something? Did you go to some event that talked about it? Like, how did you even get interested? Yeah, so there were a couple of things. And we didn't go straight to mobile home parks from single family housing, although we totally could have. What we did is we knew we wanted to go faster, okay. right? So we had the duplex and we did this one bur, and it was just going to take too long to get as much income as we yeah. wanted. I yeah. wanted to leave my W-2 job and getting yeah. one house at a time just wasn't going to cut it for yep. me. So we wanted to go a little faster. So I had heard of this thing called a Lonnie deal. So we were like, let's check that out. I'd heard of it like six months prior. And we're like, Let's do something different. That's where you actually go find an individual mobile home. Okay. And you just buy it from somebody who really needs to sell mm -hmm. like any other real estate, sure. right? Yeah. And then you turn around and you sell it back to somebody who's going to own it, live in it, mm -hmm. and you carry the note. Mm -hmm. So we just sold it on seller financing and we're the bank in that case. Yep. And those notes are 18% interest. We're getting somebody in a home they wouldn't otherwise be able to get into because it's pretty hard to find financing on a pre-owned mobile home. So that worked out so, so well. We're getting somebody in a house. They have a home. We're making a great return. We did that a few times and we realized, hey, we want to do more of this. We mm -hmm. like affordable housing. And that's when we decided, let's own parks. Let's go out and find mobile home parks to own. And that's sort of how we got into the whole parks. Okay. All right, good. So now we're getting the the puzzle is becoming a little more clear. So you went to, you basically did a simple, you, you, you not bird, but you sort of did the same thing you people do with a single family with a mobile home. Now, a couple of questions with Dodd Frank. Can you still charge eighteen percent? How do you do that? Yeah, you actually can charge eighteen percent, and it does change. I think by the state, but there are laws on single family homes on the exact interest percent you can charge, mm -hmm. but. It doesn't apply to mobile homes, at least not in the state that we're in. Okay. And so this is the thing I always wonder too. Mobile homes are like a car in that there's a title, not a deed, right? Yes. And so does it does it transfer the same way? You sign the back and they tell you how much yeah, they sold it's so to you easy. For? Like that's yeah, crazy. there's no closing. Right. Yeah. You don't have to go to a closing, you don't have to hire an attorney. You just go get it notarized and you sign it over just like you were gonna sell your car and then you wanna go through the DMV, but it's very easy to just buy oh, and you sell go through the individual DMV too. homes. Really? Okay. 
So yeah. do you go there with the person who's who you're buying it from and like have them notarize it or do you have to go to a how, how does what just walk me through the logistics of the purchase of a of a mobile home I'm curious. Yeah, you so you can actually have the title, you can just go to a notary and sign it over. And then you do want to go to the DMV because the person who's ultimately buying it from us, mm-hmm. they own it. So they want to have the title in their name and we're recorded as a lien holder to the DMV. How was the lien recorded? It, like the, the DMV, DMV it has it. Really? Yeah, yeah okay. they actually note that we're the lien holder on it. Okay. When you're okay, so when they're when when you're buying it though, do you br- do you go with the seller to the DMV or or do you just go to a notary first together or something? Yeah, you don't have to go with the person we're buying it from. No, okay, we you just get the notary to come to go the, to the notary. Okay. Yep. And then you sign it, and they say how much you bought it for. Is that how it works? And okay. yeah, it's okay. super easy. It's like just like buying a car. That's so crazy. That's so crazy. <laughs> it is right. It really is. And then you did that, and that seems pretty great. What What was the price range of the of the um, mobile homes that you were buying at that time? Like, what what are you buying it for? What were you selling it for? Yeah. So the one we did, we bought it. The guy had it listed for like 22, but he was a motivated seller. So we got it for um, 12,000 and then we paid him another 3000 without interest over the next two years. Okay. And um, so we got in for, you know, 12,000 out of pocket and then we sold it for 25,000 a couple of weeks later. We didn't have to do any work to that one. We tried to do no work to them as okay. much as possible. Okay. Um, so we sold it for 25,000. Five thousand down, twenty thousand dollar note at eighteen percent interest. That one was at ten years because it was a very nice home. We like to have them around five year notes, maybe seven. Okay, and then eighteen percent interest. How how did you find the property, or how does one find a single mobile? I know this isn't your main thing now. I get that, but I just want to dig into it for a minute. Oh, this is great. How how did you find it, or how does one find mobile homes for sale? Facebook Marketplace is the best for finding okay. individual homes. Honestly, if the, if you are really interested in it, I'd recommend driving through parks, looking f- at like for sale signs, or even stopping and asking people that you see walking around, hey, do you know anybody who's looking to sell? Mm, okay. And then Facebook Marketplace, those are the top three. Did you have... Uh, okay. I, I know I'm, I'm kind of digging into an area that maybe is, is not super relevant to you anymore, but... Um, did you have a criteria as far as the park goes? Were you like, I don't care where the park is or what it looks like? Or were you like, no, I want to kind of be a nicer ones? Or how did you navigate that? Yes. So when we were doing individual mobile homes, we liked them to be in parks. We wanted them to be in a park. We wanted it to be in a three bedroom. It's just easier to resell. I mean, yeah. in today's market, you can sell a two bedroom. You can basically sell anything, right? Because everything is in short supply mm-hmm. in 2022. But um, a couple of years ago, you know, we really wanted it to be a three bedroom home okay. in a nice park. And then the person buying it from us, they pay the lot rent, right? They're the ones owning it. It's their home. Yeah. But it's good to have amenities and what, what a do you safe, do? nice area. Uh, okay. So I, I don't want to dance around the, the, the elephant in the room. It is affordable housing. And so I think the fear or the stigma, whether it's earned or unfair is that you might have a lot of default in that situation. Um, you're dealing with people who don't have huge bank accounts or maybe great income or maybe even great credit. So how do you foreclose on something that you sold that has a title, not a mortgage? Like how, how does that work? And did you have to deal with that? Yeah. So you can just go to small claims court as long as you keep the note under $10,000. Uh, but you will have to go through like the sheriff's office to basically evict if it's if the note's above ten thousand okay. dollars. Um, but it's just it's basically just like getting your property back. Okay. Okay. So you, it it sounds like it's handled very much like a single family home, and it comes to evictions. It, yeah, and honestly, so you try to not do that, right? Sure. We sure. we didn't care about the credit score. We didn't check their credit score. We did do background checks, and we always make sure that they can cover the payment times three, right? You always want to make sure they have enough income. But honestly, a lot of people are just trying to buy a house that they can't otherwise, they can't otherwise afford a single family home. So we have our first family finishing up their note here in like six months and then they'll own their own house. And, and some other people, as long as you work with them. So, you know, keys for cash is kind of a thing and Mm -hmm. single family rentals, right? You can talk with people if they need to move or they can't afford it anymore then. And we've had that situation and we were able to work through it, but it's just 
hey, we'll let you off the hook, right? You don't have to pay us anymore. We're not going to give you any money back for the what you have paid us so far, but we can just walk away from this and call it what it is and we'll take the home back over and then resell it. So how do you so you have to go back and have them sign the the title again and go through the notary process and all that, right? They got to actually sign it back to you. Yeah, you yeah. would do it. Okay. Yep. How many of these did you do singly? How many did you do ultimately during that time? Oh, probably about five. We currently have two notes and some of them we just ended up flipping because the sellers didn't want to pay over time. They just had the money. So we yeah. ended up doing some flips and some okay. we have notes on. Okay. Awesome. Cool. I'm always curious about that part of it. I don't know why it seems so mysterious to me because I've never done it, but it just seems mysterious. So now you did a few single ones. By the way, I I could not love the fact that everything that you did in the beginning, you said this isn't going fast enough because that's exactly how I think too. <laughs> like everything about my my journey in entrepreneurship is like, how do I go faster? Because I don't have the patience to wait for this. And I had the epiphany about the same time you did in my early 30s. It was like, there has to be more than this working for corporate and stuff. So I identify with all that. So you're doing single family in in the in the mobile home park <clears throat> now or you're doing single mobile homes then you jump to mobile home is that when you jump to the whole park we just okay. started looking for mobile home parks gotcha okay that makes more sense how you jumped from you didn't jump from single family to mobile home parks you jumped from single family to mobile home to mobile home park what made you how did you know that mobile home parks was going to be a good thing did you again did you go through a course did you watch a seminar did somebody else know, you know do it how did you know the the numbers cuz you're an analyst so uh, there's no way that you did this without running the numbers and having that at your disposal so how did you get the numbers how did you even know yeah, so we did we listened to like every podcast out there we just we every book that was out there we spent months and months just educating ourselves mm-hmm. on mobile home parks we knew they were better returns right you can buy a mobile home park for a better cap rate than you can buy an apartment building for so if you want to go bigger and you want to scale and you want to get into let's say commercial real estate well, a mobile home park, because if you think about how commercial real estate is valued, it's all based on the net operating income it brings in, right? Yep. You're buying a business. Yep. And so for the same amount of net income, you can buy a mobile home park for less money than you would spend on an apartment complex. We also were familiar with affordable housing at that point with mobile homes, and we knew they could be great returns. So we wanted, we really wanted to go that route. There are a lot of mom and pop sellers remaining in mobile home parks, which is not what you really find when you're buying apartment complexes. Mm -hmm. And so being able to go get the deals straight from the people who created the parks themselves was also really appealing. That's awesome. Is there, is you mentioned affordable housing is, is there, um, a financial like loan package or something that makes it more attractive or is it basically a business loan or, or, or are you doing all creative financing? Like how do you finance these typically? Great question. So we use small local banks. Funny enough, Freddie and Fannie have gotten into mobile home parks. Now they need to be bigger parks and they need to be nice. They have like specific criteria, but they have actually gotten into lending in the mobile home park space over the last handful of years. A lot of times it's small local banks that are going to lend on these and you get very comparable financing to an apartment complex. Like ours is at 4% interest, 20 year amortization, right? Okay. 20% 20% down. So very similar structure to any other real estate that you're going to buy. Of course, it's a commercial loan instead of a residential loan. So slightly different in that way, right? Yep. You have a five-year call, but also your W-2 income doesn't matter as much on the commercial side because the yep. asset stands for itself. Talk about um, a five-year so call. What is that there. before we go too far? What is a five-year call for people listening? Uh, yeah. So in most commercial loans, what you have is... You know, you may amortize the loan over, let's say, 20 years, which means my monthly payment is based on the fact that I would pay this loan off for 20 years or 25 or 30 or whatever it might be. But in five years, the lender is going to come back and we're going to need to renegotiate the loan and then likely restart a new contract with updated terms. So interest rates may rise or or whatnot. And so you would just restart it. I got you. And they do that because conditions may have changed enough where it, it, they need to readjust. Okay. I got gotcha. you. So 
<clears throat> I don't know if you've done this analysis and it just occurred to me, and this might be a silly question, but that's all right. Here we are. Have you analyzed uh, a mobile homes versus apartments in terms of like the cost per door or the return per door? And I'm only asking you because you're a numbers person. So maybe you have that analysis to know that mobile home parks are superior because cost per door, return per door, whatever. Yeah, it's hard to compare the per door. A lot of people love to say, you know, in single family housing, you should net, 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 right? Like after reserves, after you pay property <clears throat> yeah. managers or whatever, $100 per door sure. or whatever. Um, so in mobile home parks, you're going to get your doors for a lot less expensive, for sure, right? It's a lot that you're counting at that yeah. point, a lot, not a, a door. So yeah. whereas I think what 30 to 60 something thousand is kind of standard in an apartment complex, we can go get a lot for ten to $20,000 per lot. So it's definitely less expensive. And your returns are also a little bit lower as well. So I think it's a, a little bit okay. skewed in that way. But overall, if you have an apartment complex and a mobile home park in the same area, then you're going to be paying less money for the same amount of net operating income gotcha. for a mobile home park because the cap rates are just a little bit higher. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I have so many questions. Um, uh, let's just start, I guess, maybe back at the beginning, upstream a little bit. How does one, and you have some videos on this, you told me before we launched here, how does one find uh, mobile home parks that are available for sale or might be for sale? Yeah, so we like to go directly to the sellers, just like with everything else, right? Off market, you're going to get the best deals. Now, there are brokers that specialize specifically in mobile home parks. And that is awesome. And if you're the type of buyer where you want something now and you want good cash flow and you don't want to spend the next three, four months searching for a deal, go find a broker that specializes in mobile home parks and see everything that they have coming out or go to mobilehomeparkstore.com, right? Those are great sources for sort of on market. If you're the type of person that has more time and you want the best return on your investment and you want to go search for that off market park, then I would start cataloging them ourselves. Now, one thing you can actually do is call counties. Some counties, not all counties, but some counties will actually give you a list of mobile home parks hmm. in the county. And then just like everything else, you go you go to white pages, you backtrack the owner contact hmm. information and start reaching out. Okay. And what does that look like? Is that in the form of a letter, a postcard, a phone call? Like, How do you first reach out to somebody and ask them, what is your process? It can be anything. For us, we do both. We do mail, and we definitely are calling owners in the areas that we're interested in, especially now that we already have a footprint. Anything that's in our area of Western North Carolina, we're calling on a regular basis. Okay. And yeah. So you you have like a process of, of follow-up and all this that you just keep, keep on them. Okay. Yeah, because for us, you know, we know exactly where our footprint is and we know we want to grow in yep. that area. Now, for anybody who's coming in, just like with a single family house, like if if you want it now and you just want that return and you just look on the market and you buy what's available, then you could totally do that with mobile home parks as well and still make great returns. Okay. The best returns are going to come when you get an off-market deal and okay. you can negotiate a better price. So let's give folks listening because there's no way in the world this question is in everyone's head. Can we go through a real-life scenario of one of your parks and just talk about size, scope, returns, investment, yeah. all this? Like, Let's talk some numbers. Yeah. Okay. So um, we had a park we bought in first week of April 2020 was our first park. So the world's okay. melting down. Everybody's yep. losing their jobs. Yep. And I just had my second baby about three weeks prior to this. Okay, so nothing's and that's going when we bought our all. first park. Just nothing. Basically nothing. It was like a walk in the park. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so we have this 50 lot park. We bought it for $590,000. Okay. So it's a turnaround. It's a value add. We do value add investing, which means we need to go in with opportunity to raise that operating income and therefore make the park worth more money. In this case, rents were well under market value. So we were able to bring the rents up to market value. Lot rents. The residents, lot rents. Okay. Yes, thank you, the lot rents. So, and that's a, a good point. So in mobile home parks, sometimes the park owns just the land and 
the residents own their own homes and they pay you to keep their home on your land. That's mm-hmm. lot rent. Mm-hmm. And then in other parks, you own both the land and the homes. And it's a more of a traditional rental. Gotcha. In this park, we didn't own any of the homes. So the, all of the 50 homes were owned by the residents and they paid lot rent. And that lot rent was under market value. So we were able to bring it up to market. The residents weren't paying for their water usage. And that's a big thing in commercial real estate, both for apartments and for mobile home parks is, are the residents paying for their own utilities or is the park absorbing it or the apartment complex absorbing it, right? Yeah. In this case, the park was absorbing it. There were already submeters in place. So we just needed to um, submeter out that water and bill residents for their water. So that was a huge impact on the net operating income right there. Um, There was some infrastructure stuff that we did to get the septic systems, right? We found a couple of cracked tanks when we were doing due diligence. Okay. And so we really just made the park nice. We fixed up the roads, put signage in place. And then a year and a half after we bought it, we did a refinance. So this is the super fun part about commercial real estate. It's like doing a bird deal, but on steroids. So a year and a half goes by, we have executed our business plan. At this point, the park is worth a million dollars. We had bought it for $590. So we did a cash out refinance on it. And because the park is now worth a million dollars, it can have a loan of $750,000 on it. Well, our loan was down to $450,000. So we could have taken up to $300,000 out of it, minus like closing costs and, you know, the admin expenses you have to close real estate. Um, And we ended up closing on another park as part of this and wrapped it all into one. But we ended up getting um, a $250,000 check when we closed. We had only put $158,000 all in out of pocket between down payment and turnaround costs when we bought it. So we had $158,000 in it. And then we just got this check for $250,000 a year and a half later. So now, I mean, we have infinite cash flow at sure. this point, right? Infinite return on investment. So yep. commercial real estate is just amazingly powerful in that way. How much, just because uh, I can't do the math in my head right now, but how much of it was turnaround cost? What what was your actual like renovation or you know whatever you did to make it better, like the crack septic and all that? If I remember, I think we had 118 as the down payment. Okay. And then we put another $40,000 so $40, into the infrastructure okay. and, and just getting it. So around. out of curiosity, did you have to borrow the down payment and the renovation stuff? You borrow that from somebody and then just pay them off? You can. Um, we actually borrowed money from ourselves. We took it out of our retirement accounts. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Gotcha. Okay, awesome. Uh, all right. So that's that's one thing. That's how um, how you can find them. I get that. Uh, do you invest now or do you anticipate in the future going outside of your footprint or do you want to stay kind of local? So we have a handful of states that we're looking in. So we're located in North Carolina. Our parks are all right now in North Carolina, but we, I mean, we're scouting in South Carolina, okay. some in Georgia. We'd be okay with Eastern Tennessee. So, you know, a handful of states, we actually just assigned a wholesale to park that was in Alabama that we were going to close on and then um, originally, and then it just really didn't fit within our our blueprint. So we ended up just assigning it to another investor. So it really depends on how big it is, if it fits in with our model on whether and like where it's located and if we're okay with keeping it. All right. So everything you say makes more questions. How much did you assign it to them for? Like give some, like, cause I know like how wholesalers in the Midwest and that's, you're not sort of, you're not in the Midwest, but I mean, some of these other states are Midwesty in terms of pricing, you know, wholesaling a single family home, I don't know, anywhere from 10 to $20,000 is pretty normal. What, what, what do you assign a park for? Yeah. So this park sold for 1.5 and we made 75. Oh, wow. Okay. That's that's pretty decent. How long did the whole thing yeah. take you from the time Gosh. you got it under contract till you assigned it? Oh, too long. This deal was crazy. It ended up taking six months. Obviously, that's not like full-time effort, right? right? It's like a couple hours a week back and forth, but it ended up getting delayed 
for every reason possible. And it ended up taking six months. Usually okay. it should take about 90. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 90 days. And then when you go into a park and you like, you, you up in the, in the, in the example you talked about, you upped the lot rent and you made them responsible for their own water. Again, we're talking about a lot of low income folks. How did they receive that? Did you lose a lot of people? Was there a lot of pushback or outrage? No, because they, so we go in with a letter and just say, hey, here are the things that we're doing in the park. As you know, you've been paying below market rent for years. And so here's what the market rent is. And it's going to start in you know two months time. We usually give them two months time. Yeah. So it's not like they can move to a competing neighborhood and get a lower lot rent. Yeah, It's very expensive to move a mobile home. So it costs roughly $8,000 to move a mobile home from one location to another because you have to get it set back up. Mm -hmm. If you get the utilities reconnected, yeah. it's not like you can just pull it with a pickup truck, right? You have to have sure. a specific mobile home mover. So if you think of the average resident living in a mobile home park, they don't have $8,000 lying around. Mm -hmm. So we didn't lose any residents. Okay. In fact, one of the greatest things is if they own their own home and they don't, <clears throat> let's say they don't want the higher lot rent or whatnot, they just find somebody to buy it from them. Right. And then we keep getting paid lot rent. What's the repercussions of someone owns their own home, they stop paying lot rent? What what happens? What can you do? You don't own the home. You own the land, obviously, but what do you do? They're trespassing at that point. So there are a couple of things you can do. We like to have month-to-month -month leases in our parks. Now, there are a couple of states where you can't actually do that, but it's actually... If you can, and in most states you can, it's advantageous to the owner to do month-to-month -month leases, which probably sounds counterintuitive because with single-family homes, you like to do a year or maybe even two-year leases. Um, but for exactly this reason, it's very expensive to move a home. Yep. So it's very unlikely that somebody is just going to up and leave yeah. your park. Yeah. What's actually going to happen is you may have somebody you want to get out, either they aren't paying or they're causing a disturbance. Yeah. So you can just non-renew their lease. And Got then it. they're trespassing. Okay. Now, if they don't pay the lot rent, then you do have to file for eviction and and go to court. And it, yeah, so we've definitely had to do but that you as well. Them from their own home, do you have to move it? You so no, really, because they're just going to end up selling it if they're going to leave, or if they don't and they're still not paying you, then they can move it, but they're unlikely to. So then you can just basically have it taken over and have the, so that you own it and then you can resell it to somebody. All right. I, I know I'm getting into like ugly areas here. I can see your, your demeanor sure. is actually getting like, this is cringy, <laughs> but I'm just curious, like I'm just going down this path. So, okay. They don't pay They're trespassing. They can't sell it for whatever reason, but they still have title. You can't, how do you take it over? If they have title, they have to sign it over to you, don't they? Or what if they won't? What if they just go, no, we're not. There's a process. Yeah, okay, there's okay. a process to actually get the title over to you. And okay. so you do have to go through that, which is a bit terrible. And so, <laughs> you know, obviously, the, this is the t worst part, right? Just like with single family homes, like nobody wants to evict anybody. So sure. we work with, yeah. we work with people. Yeah. And yeah. now don't get me wrong, they have to pay. But it's, we've only had to actually go and go through with one eviction. Okay. Because we're we can work with people, hey, they need to sell it, right? Okay. Sell your home or whatever it is and just and make sure that you're treating people fairly. So no, that's not a fun process. Yeah. It is part of when you own enough real estate, yeah. You're yeah. gonna totally have to do that and I know I'm digging into like the exception, right? But okay. Yeah, so for sure. <laughs> next question. How you mentioned in your example a 50 lot park. What is your sweet spot? Why not go bigger? Why not go smaller? What's the thought process there? Great question. So the really, really big investors don't look at anything under a hundred lots, Okay, which means parks that are a hundred lots and bigger are very competitive and go for a lot of money. Gotcha. So in order to find better deals, we look for parks that are smaller than a hundred lots. And honestly, we... We'll go into a new area for 50 lots, but 50 lots is kind of a lot. If there are investors who think, hey, I'm interested in getting into real estate, like, there are eight lot, 10 lot parks out there that are easy to manage 
they're all a lot, right? Right. You, there are very small parks out there. And those, by the way, have very little competition because a lot of investors are not looking at yeah. eight lot, 10 lot parks. And we also look at tertiary markets in order to find better deals because real estate in general is really hot right now. Yeah. So if we can find markets that have stable populations and multiple industries for jobs, then that's a good market for a mobile home park. Gotcha. Do you look at eight to 10 lot parks? Are you interested or would you not? No, we, I mean, we do have a small park, but we're not actively looking for parks that small. Okay. Um, the park we just bought in January is 28 lots. But that's because it's very close to a park we own that's 50 lots. Okay. If you can get multiple parks together, and this is one of our strategies, if you can get multiple parks in the same area, well, now you have a portfolio yep. instead of just parks. So when you go to sell, having a 78 lot portfolio is a lot more desirable than just a 28 lot park. Yeah. So you can actually get a lower cap rate when you go to sell when you have more lots together. Can you refinance multiple individual if you have like a 50 and a 20 and a whatever like if when you go to refinance or whatever can you combine those into one Yeah, lot? you can. Really? So actually when we were doing the cash out refinance on our 50 lot park, we added the 28 lot park, purchased that as part of it and now it's all on the same loan. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, so do you prefer parks where you own the mobile homes or where you don't? We prefer to not own the mobile homes and it just makes it a lot more predictable and streamlined. Now there are a lot of investors, especially these days who actually like owning the homes. So you have to have somebody in place to do the maintenance and turnaround on those homes for a long time. Lenders would not lend on the value of the homes at all because mobile homes themselves are depreciating assets. Mm -hmm. But there are actually lenders now that are starting to lend on the value of homes as well as mobile home parks are getting more and more popular for investments. I think that's causing more people to want to own the homes as well. When we you go into, I'm sorry, I'm, to do that. Okay, I, I get you. That, and that makes sense to me. When you go in and buy these parks and you send out the letter, we're the new owners, um, and then eventually you say we're going to raise maybe the, the lot rent or whatever. How many, I'm just, I would imagine, and I'm just, maybe I'm throwing this out there and it's totally not true. I would imagine, it because as a, as a landlord, I, I get this. You buy a house that was previously a rental. Maybe there's a tenant in there. I had this happen. You leave the tenant in place, okay? You buy the house and say, hey, I'm the new owner. Like, here's what you pay. Like, I'm going to make sure that I take care of things on time. And, you know, you're going to, this could be a good thing for you, even if I raise the rent. I get just from that one homeowner or that one tenant, I get a million ticky tack things they want me to do. They everybody has all these things that they've built up this this anger or irritation about over the years that the previous owner didn't do. Do you just get flooded with these ticky tack requests of things? Surprisingly, no. Okay. We don't. Now, in every park, you have at least one person who they're just out there, right? They they want a <laughs> yeah. speed bump installed yeah. or they yeah. want, hey, there are people that go down by my land and are riding a horse. Can we have a gate put up so they can't get down there? Yeah. No, right? We're not going to install a gate for you to not have this horse go by your house or what, right. what random, random things that people want. Yeah. So you're always going to have one. But two things. Um, I think just given that, it's affordable housing. The expectations are much more manageable. I gotcha. People aren't expecting all these extra amenities. And two, we have managers in place. So they can field a lot of those questions themselves. So we don't have okay. to be bombarded. So that's part with. of your of your financial, your 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 business plan is that you have a manager you put in place. How do you find these people that manage it? Do you just keep on somebody from the previous regime or do you bring your own person in? It depends on how the previous owners were managing the park. Typically they did it themselves and didn't like, sometimes Mm, they have a manager. Sometimes they just do everything themselves. So we look for managers that live in the park. We haven't had a ton of success doing that. Although some people have great success paying somebody free lot rent plus a couple hundred extra dollars. Mm -hmm. So we find local people 
who may not live in the park, but live close by. They drive the park on a weekly basis, take video so we can still see what it looks like on an ongoing basis. Mm -hmm. And they're doing like making sure rent is collected, putting notices on doors if it's not, making sure the grass is mowed, all those sorts of things. Do you make sure that is all the rent paid electronically now at this point? Or are people giving checks to this manager who you just don't know very well? (laughs) Like, how does that work? We do not do any cash payments at all. And a lot of mom and pop owners have been taking payments at their door for decades, right? Right. So we make sure to get softwares that allow cash payments. You can actually do cash payments through something called MoneyGram, which is at like CVS and Walmarts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so people can still go pay in cash. But as far as we're concerned, it's all electronic. Gotcha. So the manager doesn't have to take any payments. I gotcha. Okay. And then when you're purchasing these parks, you're doing it from, it sounds like primarily or exclusively mom and pop owners. How often or do you even try to do like owner finance? Is that is that a thing? Or are you always financing these or do you push for owner finance? How does that normally look? Yeah, you can totally ask for that. And some people are interested in it and some people are totally not or might be interested in a portion of it. Mm-hmm. And some people get, like, I get asked this a lot um, with smaller parks, people who want to buy their first park. So these are commercial loans if you are financing them. So there really needs to be some kind of floor or the lenders are not interested. So if you have this park that you're buying for like $300,000, there's not a commercial lender who's going to be interested in such a low loan amount. So in that case, you or any other investor who wants to buy that park is not going to get a loan for it. So that's a really good case to talk to the seller and say, hey, like, there isn't a lender out there who's interested in financing this. I can pay you over time. Okay. Got it. That makes sense. Okay. So... Since you've been doing this mobile home park, oh, I had, I had one more question for you actually. So you are in um, North Carolina. You have your footprint. Is it? Did you say west part of North Carolina? Yeah, in the okay. western part in of the, the western state. Part. What is the what is the opportunity if you? I know you're looking in other states, but if you were to say I want to stay in in the west part of the state. There's a scarcity um, aspect here too, right? They're not put. They're not there's not a lot of new parks going up all over the place, right? So how far are you looking at other states? I'm asking this really poorly, but are you looking at other states because you're starting to bump up against the possibility of where you are? And if somebody wants to invest in mobile home parks like you, and they they want to, they don't need a $10 million business, but they want a business that will completely set them financially free. Like maybe that means $25,000, $30,000 of cash flow a month. Should they expect that they're going to have to go out of their local area? I know every area is different, but in general, should they should they expect to have to go to multiple states? Maybe not multiple states, but it is likely. And even so, we live in Raleigh. So we live in the central part of the state and all of our investments are about three hours away. Okay. And so if you're looking, if you really want to be somebody who can drive by your assets and you want to grow to have you know, $25,000 a month in income, it is highly likely you're going to need to go into a different area. They're just aren't as many parks as there are single family houses. Mm-hmm. So it takes a little bit more work and time to find ones that are in your price range, in your area, you know, yeah. not sold for too much money by another investor that is still owned by the mom and pop. So yep. you have to be willing to think open up a little bit to more areas. How many, uh, and again, I, these are all like general generalities we're talking here. I know yes, that yes. it gets it's different for everybody, but a lot of times the magic number for people is ten thousand dollars. If they can, if they can generate ten thousand dollars a month, they can quit their job. For mo- for most people, not everyone. How many, in general, very broad statement, but how many mobile home parks under one hundred lots, like you're looking at, would you need to achieve that realistically, in, in a general sense? So if you want $10,000 a month, and it, by the way, it's totally dependent on the lot rent. So yeah, I, in yeah. our area, the lot rent is somewhere around, let's call it $250,000 in the tertiary market. Okay. It's like 500 or or more in like Raleigh, right? Okay. And so if you have right around, let's say 80, 
ish lots, that'll get you right around your $10,000. And that's like hmm. net, net of everything. Oh, really? 80, so you could buy one mobile home park that has 80 lots or two that have 40, however you want to split that up. And you could expect net, 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 net after everything in your bank account sits $10,000 a month. But it, So keep in mind, it's so dependent on the size and it's all of the net operating income because this yeah. is commercial real estate. So that's like a super rough ballpark. But when you're analyzing these deals, all of the parks, because it's commercial real estate, is based off a multiple of the net operating income yeah. it brings yeah. in. Yep. I got you. I got you. And I know I know we're talking so general. I get that. But I don't I, I know that people are thinking, do I need 30 of these parks? Do I need 10 of these parks? Do I need five? Yeah. What do I need? Right. And you're saying, to be fair, maybe maybe 80 to 100 to achieve your goal, right? Somewhere in there. And that's that sounds insanely doable. Um okay. So so this is what you're doing now. What is your ultimate goal? Like, how many do you want, or what is what is an, enough for Amanda? And I, I don't know if you're married. You have referenced we a couple times, but how much is enough for your family? How much do you guys want? Oh yeah. So my husband and I are, are partners in this. So we're three hundred. That is okay. That is all that we want. Um, and I guess to some people that sounds like a whole, whole bunch. So I shouldn't say all that we want, but that's the number that we think will give us more money than we'll ever need and seems reasonable enough because we don't want to have this huge operation of people, right? We don't yeah. want to have entire teams of people. So we want yeah. a handful of people that we can work with to manage the parks and then just live our lives. Okay. So that, okay. I promise I'm getting close here. Um, so who is on your team other than you and your husband? And, and I'm not talking about the park managers, but just you and your husband are finding, acquiring, negotiating, blah, 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 everything. Okay, good. Yeah. <clears throat> Last question. How passive is this? If you have 300 lots at some point, right, you get to your goal, how much time per week on average, do you expect to spend on your business? If, if your goal is to have free time, let's just say you don't love, like, yeah. like you don't want to be in it just because you want to be in it. Like you want to, you want to have as much free time as possible, but what would you have to commit to do that? So, okay. Great question. And just like with single family houses, like it's really, first of all, it's not that different than single family houses. And just like with that, if you want all the cash flow and you want to manage it, and you don't want to pay a property manager, then you can do that with mobile home parks too. And um, on the opposite end, where you want to be the business owner and you want to have somebody handling the day to day for you, well, again, we're going to talk about is it a value add or is it more of a turnkey park? So mm. you need to go in. If you're doing a value add, there's going to be some time up front. You're going to spend, let's call it six months turning that park around and you're going to be spending a bit more hands-on time doing yeah, that. Yeah. And then once it's turned around, you can be talking with the manager about an hour a week and then as needed. So call it five hours a week to be, you know, all in stable. Yeah. Talking yeah, it's stable once it's stable. Now, once you, when you're doing that value add, you're going to be spending extra time sure. because you're going to be traveling out there more and, making sure that yep. the submeters are installed and whatever it might be. Gotcha. When you do value adds, by the way, you mentioned lot rent and you mentioned, um, you know, making them pay for their own water and stuff. Do you do anything like vending machines or laundry things? Is that a thing or what? what's the extent of value add? Is it very finite what you can actually do or is it like a million different ideas? Yeah, technically it's not. I mean, technically it is unlimited, I suppose, but you really want to be making sure the infrastructure is good. And for me, it has to impact the the, uh, the net operating income, right? Because that's how it's valued. So you can do storage, like especially if you happen to have sheds that are already you can yeah. you know already in place. You can rent those out and increase the income that way. Gotcha. We don't really like to do laundry because then you have to maintain it. Sure. And, and all that. So we don't want like a whole building for that. Yeah. In some parks that already exists. I certainly wouldn't recommend a vending machine unless you're just looking for some sort of like side hustle. Cause honestly, like who's going to keep it stocked your yeah. manager. And then he, they're probably going to be the ones that are just like taking money yeah, yeah, from yeah. that vending yeah, machine. Right. Okay. That's fair. That's fair enough. 
Okay, cool. Well, listen, I know there's there's so many questions that people have, and I obviously had a million, and I I could I could sit here by for another hour and ask you questions. But if people want to find out more, if they want to learn how to do this the right way, how can they do that? How can they learn? Yeah. So when we were going through it, we took courses, we read books, we listened to every podcast out there, and there was still information that we just didn't know, especially on how to do due diligence. So when you're buying a mobile home park, due diligence on the infrastructure is the most important thing. So we created an entire course on how to invest in mobile home parks, including how to find them, how to finance them, how to do the due diligence. What do you do on day one to tell residents that you're the new owner? And how do you find a manager? What does a manager do? How do you add value, right? So it goes through all of those things. um, And you can find out information about that at our website, voyageinvesting.com. We also have videos on five ways to find off-market mobile home parks and three reasons that mobile home parks are better investments than single family homes. And that's at voyageinvesting.com slash freebie. Nice. And I post a bunch of information on investing in general and on mobile home parks at, on Instagram. So come on over and follow me at Investing with Amanda. Awesome. At Investing with Amanda. Got it. Amanda, thank you for your time. I, I kind of prepped you beforehand that we shoot for 30 minutes, but uh, I, I guess I should have also said when I'm like in the zone and I have a million questions in my head, it goes a little longer. Um, but I appreciate you hanging in there with me and answering them. You're awesome. I can totally see why you're friends with Tanya. Um and why she likes you so much. Uh, I still think Tanya can be mean, so don't let her hurt your feelings. Don't ever let her get to you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm saying this mostly because I know she's going to listen to this and laugh, and I just want to make fun of her. Well, thank you so much for having me, Mike. This was awesome. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun for me too. I really appreciate it. And uh, again, I, you know, I, I'm not immune to the entrepreneurial syndrome of hearing something awesome that sounds so doable and so profitable and thinking, I need to do that. So it's possible I will hit you up at some point in the near future <laughs> privately on an email and just say, hey, Amanda, uh, can I need I need help. I want to I want to do this and I want to get your help. But I will go to your website and sounds go like through all the things that you've already put together. So thanks again <laughs> for doing this. You're awesome and I appreciate your time. Well, thanks so much, Mike. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview. That was a lot of fun for me. Mobile home parks have always been something that I've thought I should be looking into and just haven't taken the time. But honestly, Amanda made it seem way more doable and way more understandable than uh, it ever has been for me before. So I appreciate her coming on and doing that. She was a lot of fun, a wealth of knowledge and just super transparent, which is awesome. And I think very helpful for us as investors. Uh, Nothing like someone who's willing to just lay it all out and tell you what's going on. And she has free resources. So you should go and check that out. Uh, but in any case, guys, pick a path, right? Pick something that you want to do in real estate, laser focus and go for it. Don't try to do a little bit of everything. Be very focused, be very laser focused, and you will find success. All right, we'll see you next time.